and welcome to episode two of Better Together, Democrats and Republicans Who Love America. Um, I'm going to go over what I started in the last topic, which is the different political parties in America, known as the United States, both are fine to say, um, to kind of reality check the system and also talk about my own personal political party journey. So we have what is known as a two-party system. Um, It's based on laws, party rules, and customs, though the system wasn't specifically designed you know, or outlined in the U.S. uh, Constitution. There are several third parties, and they from time to time will elect someone to a local office. Um, But some members of U.S. Congress don't have a party affiliation. The largest third party since the 80s has been the Libertarian Party, uh, which is, I would say, more of a far-right party um, or a more conservative party rugged individualist party. Besides the Constitution, Green Libertarian parties, there are also political parties that receive minimal support that they appear on the ballot. Um, Yeah, and this list here, and I'm reading off of Wikipedia for this, they don't even list the Peace and Freedom Party, which is always usually on the ballot, so I'm not sure what happened with that. Um, Essentially, we are a two-party system, like it or not. That is the two, you know, Republican and Democratic parties are the parties that uh, basically put forth policy in this country. And the other parties, um, I didn't know the Libertarians started in the 80s. What I remember is that there was such bad gridlock in the 90s. Um, between Republican and Democratic parties that Ross Perot, I believe, started the Independent Party. Is that one listed here in the list? No. (laughs) Not sure why that's not listed. Maybe this is just not a great source here. Um, So, while you as an American can register for any number of parties... Uh, The ones they do list here, Democratic, Republican, Libertarian, Green Party, Constitution Party. I've never heard of that. American Solidarity Party. Never heard of that either. I don't know if those are new ones. Never seen that on the ballot. Um, I have seen independent parties. There was even, I don't know if it was formal, but the Tea Party, which was another far, far right party. Peace and Freedom Party, which is not on there. Um, I think Andrew Yang recently has jumped ship of the Democratic Party, unfortunately, to try to start his own political party. <clears throat> so why do third party, if we all know that essentially Democrats and Republicans make policy in America, why would someone join a third party? Well, I can talk for my life. I... <clears throat> was intrigued by Ross Perot and his infomercials back in the 90s for the Independent Party Um, because he was talking about gridlock and how he could solve America's problems. And um, there was kind of a resurgence in the 90s of this idea of hope that possibly if if a third party could get enough members and enough steam behind it that it actually could influence the Democratic or the Republican Party. (laughs) I would say 
<clears throat> ah, young naive days. Um, in fact, that doesn't occur at all, and it only weakens and and detracts from those two majority parties. So why do they why do they exist? They exist because of frustrations from the right and fr- frustrations from the left. Um, and the one and the desire <clears throat> also to try to align your politics with a party that you feel f- best represents your beliefs and your values. And while that's all fine and dandy, it doesn't change the reality, which is Democrats and Republicans make part make policy. Um, so I at one point not fully understanding this because at the time in the 90s too they were selling you on this idea of if we just get enough and so I joined I was a registered democrat for and I've been a registered democrat most of my political life with a one jump into republican when um, my faith uh, was resurged and solidified and I was getting confused about the abortion issue and I then jumped out of that uh, because it's not my place to tell anyone to do what to do with their body um, or what religious beliefs they should or shouldn't have pertaining to reproduction. So I went back into the Democratic Party, haven't left, except there was a time where I really was frustrated with the lack of progress with the environment. And you had the Bush, you know, toxic oil industry, and then you had you know, Al Gore, you know, trying to warn us all about global warming at the time. And I joined the Green Party with Ralph Nader and uh, was proud to be part of the Green Party, which was green for not only the environment, but also for the legalization of cannabis in all 50 states, which is still not fully legal, but certainly getting more, more, um, more legalization is occurring and less criminalization is occurring too. So those reasons brought me into the Green Party for a while until I realized my vote was essentially not being counted and that I was actually, while yes, it was identifying more with my politics and more with who I was and very self-focused at that, it wasn't really helping to shape policy of what I wanted, because that's how the system's set up. It's a two-party system. One of the two, you know, gets dominance, and these other parties just bleed away from the two main. So then, you know, my wake-up call was early, and I realized, what am I doing? Like, sure, this party reflects me, but this is, it's a reflection, but it doesn't do more than that. There's really no point in me staying in the third-party zone. So, you know, I, I sympathize with people that are third-party uh, registrants because I feel your pain there and I understand the frustrations. There's a lot of independent party members that I call default Republicans. They were typically in the conservative realm. Um, usually, not always, but usually. And they don't like certain aspects of the relig- of the. Uh, the far right, perhaps it would be the religious right, or perhaps it would be the persecution of the LGBT, or, uh, you know, possibly oppression of 
women and whatnot. And so a lot default into the domain of independent party. And a lot, as you talk to, are conservative. Fiscally conservative, but socially liberal. But ends up in what? Independent party. The question I would say to the independents out there who are fiscally conservative and politically liberal, fiscally conservative for who? I think that's the question now that a lot of Republicans are going to have to start asking themselves. Fiscally conservative for who? Fiscally conservative for what? So, as we know, the Republicans are anything but fiscally conservative when it comes to the military. We have the largest military budget in the world. And I'm not against that. I think we definitely want to have an incredibly robust military. But it, it, it's so robust that it borders on, um, it borders on fiscal irresponsibility and indulgence in engineers' fancy toys, no offense, by the military. And, you know, when it is so out of whack with providing decent, you know, benchmarks of quality of life in America... Then I question, well, what do you mean fiscally conservative? And fiscally conservative for who? For corporations? For the 1% who still don't pay their taxes in terms of their fair share? That use tax shelters? I mean, fiscally conservative for the 1%, maybe. I haven't really met any 1% or corporate CEOs that are in that echelon. And this is often coming from rhetoric of independents and um, Republicans that are not making a million dollars a year. It's kind of brainwashing a little bit. You know, I'm fiscally conservative, that, but fiscally conservative for what? And that's what we have to start asking ourselves. For who and for what? That's very crucial. So um, if you're in a third party... Uh, I sympathize. There is no perfect party. You're going to not, if you are if you lean more to the right, there are going to be things about Republican Party that you just don't like. If you lean more to the left, definitely going to be things about the Democratic Party that you're not going to like. Um, historically, Democrats are very comfortable um, being very outright and outspoken about what they don't like about their own party. I typically don't see that same level of freedom and liberty offered in the right, in the far right, where there can be a lot of pressure to fall in line and not a lot of, pre- and not a lot of encouragement to debate within the Republican parties. I think it's getting a little better, but it's historically been, you know, fall in line. And if you have a difference of opinion, shut up and don't talk about it. Or default into independent party, or one of these, you know, the libertarian or the ultra conservative. Um, yeah, and I don't know some of these new. I've never heard of the American. What is it again? They're calling it. Uh, scroll down here. Come on, the computer. Come on, stop doing that. Um, yeah, the American Solidarity Party, Constitution Party, never heard of that. Sounds very respectable, but you'd have to look at who's supporting it. So, um, you know, it was really disappointing to read of Andrew Yang uh, departing from the Democratic Party when he was actually doing so well. 
I believe he had some controversy with some of his opinions about supporting Israel. Um, you know, the Democratic Party has a long way to go to be clear about supporting Israel in terms of the central Democrats like myself. You know, we are very clear about that. But the far left has been um, very either unclear or anti in their behavior and their rhetoric and their voting. And um, he was in line with most centrists in the Democratic Party where he was supporting Israel as our allied nation, which it is. It's a democracy out there, out there in the land of anything but democracy. So, you know, he got some heat for that. I don't know if that precipitated his 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 jump out of the ship of the Democratic Party. And then he was talking about starting his own party. I don't know. I don't know if he actually ever did that. Um, but kind of probably had a crisis and was frustrated. Hey, if you're having a crisis and you're frustrated with the Democratic Party, join the club. <laughs> That's pretty much how it is. It's going to be that way forever. Because you have the far leftists where nothing's ever good enough. They're idealists and they're not realists and it's never going to be good enough for them. And then you have the realists, which are the people that get elected in the Democratic Party, if you haven't noticed already. Bernie did not get elected. He might have had a huge amount of votes. Michael Moore says he actually had more votes than the others, but he won't get elected. No far leftists will get elected, ever. And you best understand that. You may not like that. You may think that's unfair, but you have to understand why it is the way it is that way. Because it is a two-party system. We share, you know, the country with half, it's nearly split down the middle. It's not like there's 25% Republicans and 75% Democrats. It's pretty much a 50-50 split. And uh, whether it stays that way remains to be seen. I have thoughts on this. But it, for now, it is that way. And so, um, you know, if you are going to elect a Democrat, you darn well better be sure it's going to be someone who's a centrist who's going to be able to compromise and negotiate with 50% of the country that doesn't think like you. I mean, I'm just laying out the baseline here. You can love it, you can hate it, you can be frustrated of it, you can think whatever you want, but look at the history. Who gets elected at the end of the day? At the end of the day, the central Democrats will always get elected. And, yes, there will be a lot of attention put on the far-left candidates uh, who will never get elected, even if they get the numbers. <coughs> Until we get more uh, conservatives on our side, which will be a different topic, um, we, we will be in this pattern. We have been in this pattern. We will stay in this pattern. Um, and I, when I want to say centrist, I'm not talking about Democrats like like Joe Manchin or Kristen Cinema, who I would not label at all as a central Democrat. I would label those two as saboteurs to the Democratic Party. Um, really, anyone in the Democratic Party who favors the one percent or the corporations when it comes down to it and act as obstructionists um, are not central Democrats. 
Um, I mean, Joe Biden, President Joe Biden is trying to make the wealthy pay their fair share, trying to make corporations pay their fair share, which they can more than afford to do. And that is a central Democrat position is to have the wealthy pay their fair share. It's also a shared value of the far left. You know, um, so please don't get confused when oftentimes the far left will rope in um, and label Joe Manchin and cinema as examples of, of democratic centrists. They are in no way. They are saboteurs. Um, designed to abstract and make it difficult. Um, and who knows what other reasons, but certainly they don't represent the majority. I mean, the majority is actually putting forth the Build Back Better bill in the first place. So just check that. You have to be really crafty um, about discerning these days. So Andrew Yang, what would I love to see for him to do? I I thought he was incredibly promising, and I, I would like to see him get some therapy and come back to the Democratic Party. He was a great candidate. He is a good force. And, you know, he's probably, he's younger, so he's probably just going through this, this thing that we all go through in the Democratic Party, where we're like, ah, fed up with it, and then we realize this is the only place we ha- have fed up with it or not, this is where we get the needle moved. We get the needle moved in the Democratic Party. (laughs) Now, it may not be as fast as a far left would want, (coughs) which I don't think is a bad thing. They rush a lot of ideas that seem to flop and fail because they're not well thought out. They're leading with feelings, not sense, and it doesn't usually work. Um, So I don't think speed is of the essence. (laughs) I think well-thought-out progressive planning is the essence. So I'd love Andrew Yang to come back in the boat. I hope he does. I hope someone of influence out there can get him back in the boat. Um, what if you're an independent and you're, uh, you're conservative and you just can't stomach the thought? I Maybe I'll put it in this episode. You just can't stomach the thought of becoming a Democrat. Um, well, I would say this. You know, um, what would be stopping you from becoming part of the Democratic Party? Would it be the values on pro-choice? Would it be the values of gun control? Would it be the values of religious freedom? Um, Democratic Party is very diverse in its religion. I can say that pro-choice is is meaning choice. You have a choice to be pro-life if you would like. That often isn't talked about, but it is a reality for many Democrats who are pro-life. And they exercise their pro-life as under the umbrella of choice. Um, but they don't take it to infringe upon other people's liberty. Right? So say you're a really well-meaning, good Christian person, and you just can't stomach the thought of being aligned with a party that in any way promotes abortion. Well, I want you to know, guess what? Abortion's going to happen anyway. That's, that's the news. It's going to happen anyway. It's always happened. It is happening. It will happen. It's just how it happens. Does it happen safely under the, gui- you know, the care of a, of a trained medical professional? Or does it happen in a back alley? 
where it not only will kill the infant, but will probably kill the mother as well. And that certainly can't be okay. So we know abortion is going to happen no matter what. Always has happened, is happening, always will. Just because you make something illegal doesn't mean that people are going to obey it. They'll go other places where they can or they'll just put themselves at, and at risk. And so all this you know, attempt to try to control, which doesn't end up working, right? Um, you can be a Democrat and still be pro-life for you and your beliefs. Just understand that. If that means you're not marching in rallies for pro-life, I mean, sorry, for pro-choice, okay. You can say that's not my belief, okay. Yeah. And if you're infringing upon the liberty of other people who either aren't religious, don't believe that life begins at conception, have other ideas about it, um, understand that, you know, the base ground rules are to be American or you don't have to be religious at all. You just need to be American. And we are founded on liberty. So then it comes down to tax dollars. So a lot of Republicans will say, well, fine, okay. You know, that's great. I I don't want to support anything with abortion. People are going to do what they're going to do. They have to have the consequences. Okay. But I don't want my tax dollars going to fund abortion. So, I mean, for that argument, I have sympathy and I have empathy. And I don't believe that the current way of doing business is that we should have uh, public money going to fund abortions. I think private, there are enough rich private Democrats that could easily fund abortion privately without public dollars that would be drawing upon taxes of those who are really, really opposed to it for religious reasons. Um, who wouldn't mind that it exists in the world, but don't want to have to have their tax dollars in any way associated with it. Um, I don't. Then it comes to questions: Well, could that be privately supported? Are there enough Democrats out there that could feasibly take on the costs associated with providing safe abortions for those who wish it? Um, and you know, obviously, I'm not talking about up to nine months or eight months or something. You know, that's obviously infanticide infanticide and others might say well it's infanticide at, at, at the conception I mean it's it's where it's where do you where do you define life that's very interpretive some def- Texas defines it at six weeks because that's the time of the first heartbeat I mean who knows when the soul is actually put in there for those who even believe in the soul we don't know specifically um some want hands off because they don't know they don't want anything to touch that so i think you know the remedy between this issue that would help republicans want to join the democratic party is if we as a democratic party said no more state public funded abortions we have enough money our own we do and we can we can afford to fund this i think that would be a huge removal barrier for Republicans to flood the Democratic Party. Now, I just want progressives to just take that in for a minute. Just take that in. If you knew that you could glean millions and millions and millions of voters 
who stand in line to vote, who are veterans, who are military, who would join the Democratic Party if they had absolute assurance that no public funds would go to fund abortions in any way. It would all be privately funded by the Democratic Party. And, the, and, and those Republicans who wanted to donate as well, some don't mind. Some are for it. But, um, you know, would that not be very appealing to gain so much more party momentum support in helping to further the greatest agenda with the Democratic Party is supporting the 99% of which Republicans are. The majority of them are. The 1% is mostly individual wealthy and corporations. The majority of Republicans are the 99. But how do we get them to our side in ways that are actually going to work? This is a huge pillar. I mean, sorry, a barrier that could be removed by us attesting to saying from now on, private funded abortions only. Don't worry, Bill Gates and his crew are going to help pay for it. Or wealthy Democratic doctors are going to chip in. We're going to make it happen. Not any public money going for abortion in America ever again. If we were to say that, I mean, I think that would be huge for getting Republicans to finally go, okay, what else? What else are you offering? Um, Because we know the corporations on the 1% are not offering their fellow Republicans anything. They, they get to exist because they have sold Fox Media often as their distribution and brainwashing agency often of doctrine and dogma to sell values. God, guns, glory. No abortions. Military. They get to sell them on values because they don't have to pay anything for values. Values are free. So they take, you know, huge donations to Fox Media to be able to brainwash constantly. Most of it is brainwash and propaganda. And some of it is legitimate news. They have legitimately respectable news people on there. But a lot of it is a constant misinterpretation of the Democratic Party, mischaracterization of the Democratic Party, skewed to promote the propaganda To what? Promote the 1% from getting their following base to not jump ship if they open their eyes and realize that they don't get supported by the 1%. So, you know, (coughs) um, these these are things we as Democrats have to start to reassess and go... We're committed to public funding of, of safe and legal abortions. Why? Why? When that's a massive barrier and continue to split the, split the country voting-wise, why don't we just make it private? I think a lot of Democrats would... I mean, I vote... I, I support Planned Parenthood. Sure. I don't know that I'd ever have an abortion. I mean, I don't think you really know until you're in the situation. I think sometimes I think I would. Other times I'm not. I'm dead against it. I don't think you ever really know until you're there. But I certainly wouldn't want somebody else deciding for me in a free country like America, right? But to know, too, that it was supported by people that believe in it, that are private funders that really support it, and that there would be no tax dollars going to this from anyone that doesn't want to be part of it. 
I think is a huge step of progress, progress, progressive, you know, rethink on our party here. I think it would be a massive barrier removed. So what would be the other barriers left? Well, gun control. The NRA is mostly funded by Republican money. Um, Democrats have been very unclear on messaging about their position on gun control, other than the appearance that they want to restrict it. Now, when you say that, and again, the land of liberty, that doesn't sell well to the other side. Michael Moore did a film, Bowling for Columbine, which he goes to Canada and, you know, interviews Canadians, and turns out they have even more guns than we do, and they have an, you know, ridiculously low rate of gun violence. The idea being everyone has a gun up there, and yet they're not uh, killing each other to the rate that Americans are. And so he explores, you know, what could be the reasons? Well, they have, you know, socialized medicine. They have these guaranteed benefits. They pay high taxes. And everybody's taken care of. So is there a need for the strife? I mean, that's one theory. I don't know if it's true. Um, Gun control. You know, how do we message very, very clear and consistent to Republicans to go, hey, most of you are responsible gun owners who could pass a class, who would be able to use good judgment, who know how to lock up your guns. By the way, they don't have the infant and toddler and child gun accident rates that they do in Canada that they do in the U.S. Again, Canadians have tons of guns up there, but they're using them, storing them, locking them up properly, and the gun violence is not an issue. So we have terrible rates of irresponsible gun lockup, and, you know, you hear all the time about the next toddler finding a gun in the couch and, you know, killing a family member and so on and so forth. Um you know, I think what Republicans need to understand is we Democrats don't want to take away your freedom to have a gun. What we are concerned about is the misuse of or the people that don't act responsibly and how that can end a child's life or the life of a family member. And we care when there are school shootings and there are mass shootings and we see these weapons and we want to do something about it not just give you know thoughts and prayers but actually take some action to try to resolve it and the old you know well people don't you know people kill people guns don't kill people right but guns do kill people if it's in the hand of a child who doesn't know what he's what the child is doing right so i just want Republicans out there to understand Democrats aren't trying to take away your guns. You know, the Trump rhetoric of they're going to take away your guns. They're going to do. We don't have that agenda. We want people to not die of COVID, of guns, of a lot of things. And so we often don't message clearly and it comes off controlling gun control, even the name gun control. I mean, You know, we don't get 
the heart message across the Republicans, it comes off as controlling and restrictive. And so then what do they do? They react and, oh, we're not going to have you take my gun. Now the debate is, is it, is it responsible to, for someone who has serious mental health issues to stockpile guns? I mean, I would be very concerned about that. How many guns do you actually need to defend your family and your house? 20? I don't know that you need that much. Right? Everything astronomically, you know, the risk gets higher with each firearm owned. But I think most Democrats, if you would ask, you know, do you define gun control as wanting to, you know, restrict American freedom of defending themselves? They're not going to say, yeah, that's the agenda. They're going to say, no, we just don't want people dying of these somewhat seemingly preventable episodes of mass shootings or infant, toddler, young child um, accidents. So, um, you know, that can be worked on. Our messaging can be better. We are not really great at messaging, have you not noticed? (laughs) We are actually colossally bad at it, the Democrats. We didn't message well with COVID. We We don't message well with gun control. Um, our messaging has not been a priority, I think, and it has been lax, and I think that's a problem that creates more division, that can be remedied, and that can be cleaned up and polished up and should be to get more Republicans on our side. Yeah, so what was it? We talked about the abortion issue, the gun control and I mean, in terms of God, God's gun, God, guns and glory typically are the Republican tenants. You know, yeah, I mean, you can believe in whatever God you want in the Democratic Party. You can be religious, you can be atheist, you can be pro-science, you can be pro-religion, pro-faith, you can be both pro-religion and pro, pro-science. A lot of people are, you know, no one knows it all. And it's all inclusive when it comes to religion in the Democratic Party. We have, you know, Muslims and Catholics and Protestants and atheists and everything and everything in between. So, in terms of religion, I don't think that's um, necessarily a barrier. Um, what about LG- LGBT? Um, so there are a lot of gay Republicans. People have heard this term. It's real. There are. Um, Certainly, the Republican Party has not led the civil rights charge when it comes to the LGBT. This has been a democratic territory of which Democrats have won by fighting. Um, But the fight has been won. It's still fighting for transgender and other rights and improvement. But a lot of it has been won and by the Democrat Party, I might say. Um, That doesn't change the fact that there are a lot of conservative LGBTQ out there who were quiet when their rights were involved and now that their rights are attained, not as quiet. Um, Not all Republicans are anti-LGBTQ. Even religious right is slowly but surely, hopefully, remembering the words of Jesus, of which he didn't mention anything in all of his Gospels about the LGBTQ. And any kind of inference and revelations is secondhand information. 
but from the if they're going off of the Bible and the recorded documents of the Bible from the four Gospels, I've read it. I'm on my fifth read through. Jesus does not talk about LGBTQ. That doesn't mean the Bible doesn't have it, but Jesus, the Messiah, the reason for the faith, the deliverer, does not talk about it. Had every opportunity to preach sermons about it, didn't do it. If he did, it wasn't obviously deemed important enough by the early writers to jot it down. And I don't treat secondhand inference information as equivalent to firsthand testimony. So, you know, there are a lot of churches coming around going, here we are, we persecute witches, persecute slaves, LGBT, we're done. Like, that's it. This is not about persecution, it's about love, and it's about loving thy neighbor. So a lot more churches are coming around to putting rainbows on their welcome sign. There's still more to go, more to go, more repentance needed out there. Um, and I would say the church is at a point of reflection right now. Reflection, seeking guidance, praying, and remembering Christ and having to prioritize. What else? Um, so, yeah. A lot of Republicans, again, very pro-LGBT. They aren't very religious, and for them, it's not an issue. Other things. I mean, Democrats haven't been historically as honorable about the military as much as Republicans have been, which is another area that we need to grow on. You know... We both, both sides, both parties have a voice because of the military. Home of the free because of the brave. It's a saying. We've recently had Veterans Day last week, and it's a saying because it's true. You would not have a voice were it not for the people in military fighting to make sure you had that voice. That is the reality. A lot of Democrats have a hard time with that because they are optimistic, idealistic, believe that language can solve anything. It's all about communication and, you know, if someday violence will be eradicated, it won't be needed. You know, I would say that is absolutely naive about the human condition. And other Democrats are realists, like myself, who know, you know, language can go so far, and then there's Hitler. And there was no talking Hitler out of his beliefs. There was no therapizing him out of his power quest. And what was there? A a huge war needed to destroy his Nazi army. So, no, there's times where world wars are needed. There's times where individual wars are needed. Typically, we don't do so well in America when we take on a country by ourselves. We have Korea, uh, Vietnam, and Afghanistan to show for that. We didn't do so great. A lot of money, time, and lives, and not a whole lot to show for it. Uh, When we collaborate with our allies, we always win. So I would say I'm, she- I'm steering us away from individual wars and, you know, really looking at allied support as a requirement to go to war for any country. Um, we don't have the track record to warrant going to war individually with a country. We don't win it. But if we have our partners there, we always win it, which is great. Um, Because we very well may need to with China and the autocrats, as I say, who are rising up and 
you know, forming their allegiances and still are quite um, undeveloped and doesn't seem to be enough diplomacy and communication, talking to change Putin, Kim Jong-un, President Xi, the president of Iran. They just are hard nuts to crack and they probably won't until we go to war. So, um, yeah, Democrats don't like that. It's like it's, sh- it's seeing the end of your limits, and they don't like that. They want to be able to peaceful- peacefully language their way through everything and anything. But peace at any price is not worth paying. No. If we had that attitude with Hitler, we'd all be speaking German. And we'd be one big Nazi state. No, thanks. You know, no, we're going to go to war. <laughs> Obviously. Um, yeah, violence is needed at times where diplomacy has historically failed. That is a human condition that will be perpetual till the end of time. Wise leaders know when to stop talking and start fighting, and they also know when to stop fighting and start talking. And fools just keep talking or just keep fighting. So here is the deal. Why am I trying to recruit Democrats to be on board trying to you know prioritize attaining republicans to join our ranks it really is the battle of the 99% the 1% in america if we can get that worked out where the 1% finally pays their fair share the republicans and the corporations um corporations in my view are what are ruining america um then we can start having a little bit more equity for all. And I really know that there are a lot, and I mean this in no way insulting, but it brings up an iconography when I say it that would resonate. What I call trailer park Republicans. I'm not making fun of your economic status. I was poor for most of my life. And I don't even hate trailers. They're actually very well insulated. But there are the, you know, trailer park Republicans with a flag out there that you know aren't pulling probably even 50000 a year. Most likely served in the military or had family members that did. Barely making it. And their, you know, their counterparts and their constituents of the 1% corporations and super rich could give a crap about whether their kids can afford college, their seniors can afford health care, that they themselves can afford health care, have a decent union job that pays something for a future, and not even a huge future, just a future. And, you know, the top 1% Republicans would be just cheering them on for working themselves into an early grave for minimum wage to make their corporations rich. You know, and it's sickening. And, and they keep them, why? Because God, guns, and glory. The values. The values that they don't have to pay for. That are free to manipulate them. I really see that as our big American problem. And, you know, it's great to support the military with tons and tons and tons of money. And, you know, have our Americans out there fighting to save America, keep America safe, and all of what they do. But, you know, we also want to make sure when they come back that they have something that's a decent quality of life. So just, I want to put this out there, just as you Republicans often, majority Republicans often go out on the battlefield or in the air or on the, sh- or on the ships, in the military, 
fighting for America, defending America, whatnot. Um, You know, Democrats are fighting for your families back home. And we're fighting for your family's futures, health care, college, the environment so they don't get cancer early because of toxic greed, literally that turns into toxic pollution, um, so that they have something in America to come back to. Okay, we're fighting on our battlefield every day with our social agenda that the top 1% and Fox News and other conservative outlets like to make fun of and call social spending bills, like we're on a shopping spree, like we're just throwing money up into the air. No, we're, we're, we're targeting money to go to a lot of Republican households. Build Back Better is not just for Democrats. It's for military families that are wanting to have a better quality of life when they come back home. Not just to the trailers where the 1% pat them on the head and go, good job, because they're not fighting. The 1%, the corporations, they're not fighting. They're not suiting up. They're not going to service. Thanks so much for serving our country. And, you know, good job. You can go back to your little trailer now and have your minimum wage job. You'll have to work until you're 85. Oh, you want health care? The entitlement programs? You you want college for your kids? Entitlement? Uh, I'm sorry, we're not willing to pay that. But meanwhile, you've defended their right to make billions of dollars, right? You see the inequity there? How that's messed up? So we Democrats fight for you and the battlefield of Congress and the battlefield against Fox News, Fox News propaganda often. By the way, it's getting better, but it's still pretty propaganda over there. Um, you know, making fun of it, calling it social spending, calling us irresponsible. Certainly, um, there are areas to tighten up in the democratic system because we're great at getting funding, but we're not always great at dispersing that funding. And we saw that with the uh, COVID relief bills and the landlords going, where's our checks? Well, they were largely included in those uh, relief bills. And while we're great at allocating funding, it wasn't so great at trickling to get actually into the landlords. So what happened? Mass evictions, a lot attempted. (coughs) And then you need to have prohibited eviction. Well, you didn't need to have prohibitive eviction if the landlords were getting their checks because the money had been allocated to them, but not dispersed. So where was that money going? Making interest. So I'm not saying we have it down perfect. We don't. I don't like stuff like that, by the way. I don't like EDD fraud that was reported in California the first time around with Trump and how criminals sitting in jail could put in claims and get money because there wasn't a filter in the EDD program for California and, and, and several other states in the nation that actually would double check, wait, are you actually in prison? So no, you're not going to get that check. A lot of other states have that. And finally, we had that, but it was a big scandal. And millions and millions of dollars were funneled to people in jail because we didn't have the right updated computer system. <laughs> I mean... So, you know, this is what fuels Republican arguments to say government waste. Why do this? It's just government waste. Just limit what they can have because they're so incompetent. I'm not going to say they don't have a point there. But I'm going to say those are fixable issues. 
good scandals like that that get around social media days, it got fixed. It got fixed. But yeah, no, we can't just allocate funds. We have to be able to disperse funds to said people, right? Like landlords. Um, Landlords had mortgages and rent to make as well, right? So, yeah, I I really want, I want um, Republicans to understand why most of you fight on the battlefield for America. Most of us in the Democratic Party fight the battlefield of Congress and with voting and with supporting, not social spending bills, supporting American quality of life, infrastructure, your kids' college education, the environment, the elderly, healthcare, other things that make America worth fighting for and worth coming back to for all Americans. And I want to say there's probably a growing presence of Republicans that are getting tired of the pat on the head from the 1% who exploit them. And what stops them from joining ranks with us is what I've been talking about. The abortion issue, the gun control issue, these issues that don't cost a cent to the corporations. So they retain them and then they keep in power. And we don't have to continue that pattern. If we are willing on the Democratic side to be a little bit more flexible, clear in the messaging, and eliminate this idea of, ma- of, of, of it has to be funded publicly, it doesn't. And maybe in America, that's not the answer. Maybe in America, abortions have to be funded privately through private nonprofit donations that are equitable for both Republicans and Democrats. And I think we'd have enough money to definitely... Um, be able to do that. If we can do that, then let's do that. Let's remove the barriers that keep the 99% of Republicans in the party that don't really serve their own interests, but they feel alleged to the values. And I can't really fault them for that. Values are really important. Um, But I have a problem with those who serve in the military to come back to get a very low quality of life. You know. Anyway, so other things about the different parties, you know, yeah, you know, just understand you may be very attached to your third party ideology, but understand it it trickles down into no voting power. And so I would like all of you to wake up and go, well, I really like the aspect of the Green Party and I really like the aspect of the Independent Party and the Libertarian Party and these parties, it just doesn't translate down to any real political power. It is a two-party system. It doesn't matter that it is or isn't written in the Constitution. In reality, it's a two-party system. So pick a side and understand why you're picking that side. I understand why the 1% corporations pick Republican. Of course, there's no other option for them. But why are the trailer park Republicans working at Walmart to peddle often made in China good, which is communist goods, uh, to benefit the 1%? Why are they alleged? Conversation topic to ponder. Okay, it's almost the hour. I want to let everyone know that these are just my opinions. If you agree with some of what I say, none of what I say, part of what I say, all of what I say, I want you to really chew over some of these things 
And if you're caught in the apathy trap where you just can't really identify with any party, and so you're just out of the game, understand that that isn't helpful either. Look at the different parties. Look at the what they stand for. Look who's behind them. Who is fighting for the common American? Who is fighting for the upper rich and the corporations? And don't believe the propaganda sold by news networks. Really consider, you know, who, you know, if most of us are the 99, then who is fighting for the common American? I have to say it's the Democrats. Whether I believed in being Democrat or not, I mean, that much is obvious. Who are majority making up military? Mostly Republicans. I can think whatever I want about that, but that's a fact. So, you know, are you, are you aligned with the party that's actually fighting for your quality of life? And if you're not, then what's keeping you? And even if that means that you need to switch parties to align yourself with the party that's really representing you, then you can still disagree like hell with everything or all things or some things that that party stands for. Because there's tons of debate within the Republican Party and the Democratic Party. And now the Republicans, I think, are just showing that it's, it's more safe now for them to be um, debating within each other than it ever was. And Democrats have always debated. <laughs> I know. We've always been comfortable with that. Is there a perfect party? No. But is there a party clearly that represents a 99 over the 1? Absolutely. You know what that is. So please join that and bring your values. Bring your values. You know, who says you have to check your values at the door? You don't. You don't. But I don't have much respect for the corporations that I believe are ruining America or the 1% or the people that bail them out. And, um, you know... I believe in capitalism so long as it's the type of capitalism that my grandfather enjoyed in the 1950s where it was capitalism for the common person. Then corporations hit and they took it on their greed train and went wild with it and we're seeing a lot of destruction in America because of them. So we see a lot of Democrats attempting to try to dismantle as they should and deregulate as they should or regulate rather, regulate. And yeah, if we, look at, if we look at America through the lens of the 99 versus the 1, we see how destructive the 1 is. And it's a symbol for greed. Greed is self-destructive. It's a spiritual principle. So to bring equity back in, we have to dismantle the greed. So who has the greed? We know who. The corporation's 1%. All right, I could keep going on. I'm recycling my own language here. I hope this was informative and interesting. And we'll see what my next topic will be. But... Consider jumping back into the two parties, folks.